Good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, David Culp is on a work study break uh, for the month of August, and so during this whole series on the Psalms, uh, there will be uh, different speakers in here each week, and I get to be with you. So Candy and I are excited to be around because um, we don't get to usually be with you. We're at, at the Stevensville campus. Um, so uh, it's good to be here. Um, before we jump in to the sermon, which is a, f- a focus on Psalm 34 today, uh, I don't know if you brought your own Bible, uh, you can open it to Psalm 34 if you want to get ready for that. Um, but I want to update you on a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, next week the Curley family will be here. They are our missionaries in Paraguay where we have uh, done a lot of trips and they'll be here with us next week. So um, look forward to that. Two weeks ago, uh, we sent a team of 10 to South Dakota to the Native American reservation there. And um, so uh, we, we built a lot of, uh, did a lot of building projects and we really connected with people and it was beautiful time. Uh, it was so good that uh, that group is going back again in a couple weeks to do some more work there. So good things are happening with our missions. We're, you know, post-COVID now, we're starting to get back involved, going on some trips and doing some things. So that's all good. Um, I wanted to let you guys know, uh, first of all, there's a, there's a picture uh, that we're going to see of our baptism last week. Anybody go to the baptism service at Gene Clock? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? Um, 70, around, around 70 people were baptized. That's, uh, that's good for some joy, right? <laughs> so, yeah, if you were there, you can maybe see yourself if you squint. Um, you're, you're there somewhere. <laughs> I want to tell you that in addition to all these baptisms that took place, uh, a couple weeks ago we did a junior high camp at Warner Camp, and we had over 100 kids, campers went, and uh, 16 kids got baptized at the end of that camp. So that was pretty exciting. So there's a picture of that. Yeah. That, I got to be there that week, and I was the speaker, and we spoke about Daniel, the book of Daniel. We went through the first six chapters. And um, on the last night, I, I wrote a little uh, summary of uh, our week at camp. And so I want to share that with you guys today. Uh, is that all right? Before we jump into Psalms? All right, here we go. This is the first six books of Daniel with a little bit of Jesus thrown in. How does a brave Jewish slave who lost everything become second to none, all except for the king? The Jews disobeying and straying away, instead of praying, they're playing a dangerous game to play. Hard-hearted way started all their misbehavory. Jerusalem buried and carried off to slavery. Nebuchadnezzar, the leader of Babylon, God let him get a win. Bye-bye, Jerusalem. The king wants the best servants. How's he going to choose them? Hey, here's some yummy food. Daniel's friends refuse them. Their faith is strong. They're determined not to lose it. They don't abuse it. They have a choice, so they choose it. You should be chilling out. Why you feeling so suspicious? Man, you're really missing out. This food is delicious. Here, have a Twinkie. No. A little drinky. No. Promise with your pinky. No. I'll stretch you like a slinky. No. (laughs) Daniel smiled and said, I will not be defiled by it. 
I won't try it. No, I'll take the Bible and apply it. I have a test to pass, and I don't want to fail it. Here's my letter of refusal. Lick the stamp and mail it. In the end, Daniel and his friends passed the test. They are healthier and stronger and better than the best. The king saw that they are all ten times better than the rest. Hence, their obedience leads to them all being blessed. A year later, the king, he has a nightmare. It seems that they have to somehow know his dream. Not fair. He tells his wise men if they fail, he's going to kill them. Stone still, cold chill, watch the fear fill him. Daniel prays and lays his trust in God to get him through it. He knows he can't, and yet he knows that God can do it. Daniel sends his friends. They decide to pray. Please, on their knees, every day, three times a day. His life injected with prayer. He gets connected with faith is not rejected. You expect the unexpected. Daniel gets the power to interpret all the dreams. He tells the king what his dream was and what it means. Next, they pass a law enforcing all to worship idols. Surprise, the tempest rising. Man, you better check your vitals. If we don't bow down now, we'll burn in a furnace. No matter what, we won't bow down. Just let them burn us. The king is furious and furious. They won't obey. Turn up the heat. Burn them up and make them pay. God gave us his word. He's going to save us. He will do it even if he doesn't. We will never give in to it. They get tossed in. Hot as sin. But they're okay. Hey, fool, stay cool. Sit back and watch us play. The king is suddenly rocked and shocked to the core. Look, there's four, not three. One more than there was before. The king can't believe his eyes. He's stunned by what he's seeing. The extra one is shiny like an angelic being. Send down a rope and pull him up. Their God is king of everything. I guess I better praise him. Just praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Get on your feet and praise him. Praise him. Everybody stand and praise him. Praise him. Like the junior high kids at camp. Praise him. Praise him. Here we go. The king throws a party, crossing lines, drinking lots of wines, lots of drunkenness, and sex with his concubines. Deep inside, steeped in pride, the king starts to slip, desecrated all that was created for our worship. So a hand starts to scrawl a message on the wall. He can't stand, so shocking, knees knocking, watch him fall. Fortune tellers, sorcerers, they're no help at all. Daniel, the manual for supernatural. Forward, Jesus taught a woman caught in adultery. His hand wrote in the sand. His message set her free. You are loved. You are free. You are forgiven. You can see Jesus is for us, a message for you and me. One more story for the glory of God. Daniel thrown in the den. The king gave the nod. Daniel faced the lions. He was not afraid to meet them. He prayed and laid his faith in God. They didn't even eat him. Daniel is a tiger for the Lord, to be specific. His trust is tiger-tastic, and his faith is terrific. So when you're in the den and the lion starts to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Goodness sake, take and make your faith feel real. Seal it in prayer and don't conceal it. I appeal to you. God is always with us, so the lion shouldn't daze them. Jesus is my everything, so let's just praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. 
Praise Him. Praise Him. Let's just praise Him. 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 I think I better praise Him. Praise Him. For, for learning that. I appreciate it. That was fun. Yeah, same chords. You guys don't get into it as much as the junior hires, I have to say. But it was still kind of fun. Well, we're in a series in Psalms now. The Hebrew word for Psalms actually means praise them. It means praise. And some of the Psalms are praises to God. Some of them are also laments, confessions. So there's this mixture in the Psalms of God's people saying, praise them, praise them, praise them, praise them. There's also other parts like, God, why did I do this? Or please, Lord, I'm miserable, help me. (laughs) It's a combination. But today, uh, we're looking at Psalm 34, which begins with these incredible words of praise. Before we do, I want to, and I don't think we have a slide for the first part here, but there's this actual, there's this, just a little introduction that is written in the Bible. It's part of the Bible, um, and many of the Psalms actually have a little introduction to kind of give a little credit to who wrote it or the circumstances around it. And here's the circumstances around Psalm 34. A Psalm of David regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech who sent him away. So (laughs) David is captured by an enemy, and he finds himself in a hopeless situation, very much like Daniel, who found himself in a hopeless situation. Both Daniel and David reached out to God for help. And David finds here that God comes through and gives him this idea (laughs) to act like he's insane, which is something I just kind of did, actually. (laughs) And uh, here is the result. This psalm is the result. When David finally gets away from this evil king who was going to kill him, he gets away and this psalm comes gushing out from his soul. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly sing his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the greatness of God. Let us exalt his name together. Let us praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends. He he surrounds and defends all who fear him. This is my favorite part. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes grow hungry, especially when God shuts their mouths with an angel. That's the Daniel story. Those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. 
The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue once in a while. No, not once in a while. How often? Each time. There's so much here. So much here to look at, but let's go back to the first three verses and just dig into this. This is so good. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. David believes in the power of praise. Something happens. We read in the New Testament that God inhabits the praises of his people. God is present. Look at the words David chooses here to, um, to, to he, the, the words that describe how he, he chooses to praise. Look, pra- the word praise, the word speak, the word boast, the word tell, exalt. It's awesome. These are powerful words. David is encouraging all of us to recognize the power of praise, to be intentional about our words. Notice that David encourages the Lord's people to use their words to give glory to God. Look, praise the Lord, not myself. Speak his praises, not my own praises. Boast only in the Lord. The word only rules out everything else. Tell of the Lord's greatness, not my own greatness. Exalt his name, not my name. So let's examine our words. Let's notice what we say. Let's not be careless. Let's be careful with our words. Let's be intentional. Let's give glory to God all the time. Look again at verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. See, David is committed to giving praise to God at all times. Worship for him is, is constant, right? I will constantly speak his praises. Praise and worship is not meant to be a three-song set before the sermon and then one song after. There's so much more to worship, right? Praise and worship is an everyday experience that we get caught up in. It's a moment-by-moment experience. Every word we speak ought to be an offering of worship. Every thought we have can actually give glory to God. Some of the greatest writers and followers of Jesus have made it their goal to try to become aware of God's presence in all situations at all times. Um, Still, one of my favorite books by Brother Lawrence, a book about practicing the presence of God. It's basically like, I've made it my goal, he says, to be aware of God every moment of every day. Praise is constant. Prayer is constant. There's this 
connection with God, an awareness of God that, that rolls in the background of all our thoughts of our very being. And even though we're going about our day doing all this stuff, there's this, there's this, this awareness of God that permeates all we do. That is what David is talking about. I believe that's what Paul was referring to when he wrote to the Thessalonians, pray continuously. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Pray continuously. Others say, other versions say, pray without ceasing. I remember um, something we did with kids in the youth group when I was a youth pastor is we'd write PC right here. Pray continuously. If you write something right here like that, um, you often glance down at it and it reminds you. Pray continually. Pray continuously. I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he said in John, uh, John recorded the, his words, remain in me. Sometimes it's good to just take a, a few words and just dig into it. What did Jesus mean when he calls his followers, his disciples and, and you and I, to remain in him? Another point, Paul says, anyone who is in me, Right? In Christ, anyone who, for all who are in Christ, they're a new creation. Jesus wants us to remain in him. There's something deeper that God calls us to than I, I think sometimes we settle for. There's more than just going to church. There's more than just getting online, right, and, and, and watching a service happen. There's more than just saying, I am a believer. It's great to proclaim our faith, but there's something more than faith. There's something more than getting baptized to making that statement. It's a beautiful statement to make, but there's more. There's more than just doing some religious kinds of things. Jesus says, remain in me. There's an intimacy there, right? There's some, it's like a marriage almost, a union with God that is available to us, that Jesus calls us into. Remain in me. Don't forget about me. Don't live as though I'm not present with you every moment of every day. Talk to me all the time. Be connected. Be aware that I am with you, Jesus says. Prayer ought to be this constant, ongoing conversation. So at the time that David is writing this psalm, He's actually living out a truth that Paul and Jesus would both teach about later, right? The continuous prayer, the remaining in Jesus. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Uh, let's come back to these first three verses here. And Would you read them out loud with me and just let the words sink into your soul as you read them? Uh, th make this a declaration for you, will you? I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. There's one more phrase in here that I love. So good. Let all who are helpless take heart. Have you ever felt helpless? 
Like something happens and you can't control it. I, I got COVID not too long ago. And uh, I took the, um, is it Paxlovid? Is that what it is? Paxlovid. Um, so I took some medicine. I, I drank lots of water. I got lots of sleep. I did what I could, but you know what? I, I, was, I was helpless to make that thing go away, right? That virus, it's, it was going to run its course. Sometimes things happen in our life that we cannot control. We don't like it, do we? We like to be in control. But sometimes we feel helpless. Is something going on in your life, even now, that makes you feel helpless? It's like you can't make it all okay. You can't make it work out the way you'd like to make it work out. This is what David is dealing with here. He writes these words while he's facing a helpless situation. All he can do is say, oh, God, I trust in you. All he can do is ask God for help. Here here are his words as he asks for help. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord, and what happened? He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Look at the actions that David took here. Do you see it? He prayed. I prayed. I looked to God for help. Again, in my desperation, again, I prayed. David's actions aren't complex or complicated. He just faces this helpless situation. And what does he do? He prays. He cries out to God. Now, we know a lot about prayer. Many of us have learned about prayer since we were little in kid zone or Sunday school, whatever you called it when you were a kid. Uh, Maybe you weren't in Sunday school, but many of us were. We've heard stories about prayer. We've read the Bible stories about prayer. Um, We've heard sermons about prayer. We've gone to Bible studies, many of us, and studied prayer. But do we pray? Do do we really pray? And that's been what I have been challenged with this week as I've read this psalm. It's like, am I going to the Lord and trusting God with those situations that cause you to feel helpless. Listen, the key to Daniel, I don't know this is a psalm by David, but we talked about Daniel a little bit, and what Daniel, Daniel was so committed to prayer. He prayed every day, three times a day, and you know that he was just thinking about God. Often he was connected. He believed in the power of prayer. David, too, believes in the power of prayer. But if you, when you read this, I, I want to look at it again There's a few times where it says what David did, but most of what David writes about are the actions of God. Look, God answers. Look at the text. God gives freedom from what? From fear. God gives joy that is what? Radiant, radiant joy. God gives it. God takes away what? The shadow of shame. God listens 
God saves, God guards, God surrounds, God defends. David loves to talk about what God does. And the God who did all this for David is the same God who will do all those things for us as well. What we believe about God impacts how we pray. Who we believe God is impacts how much we believe in prayer. So look, if we, if we believe the way David does, if I believe that God is listening, really, then I'm going to pray. If I believe deep in my soul that God does answer prayer, and, and some of us here, we, we're questioning that, does God really answer prayer? Because I, you have some story. If I believe deep in my soul that God answers pray, then I, prayer, then I will pray. If, if I believe that God can take my fear and set me free from it, if I believe that that's the God, who do, we have a God that does that, I will ask for that. I will pray. If I believe God is the source of true joy and God can make me radiant with joy, I will ask God for that. I, if I believe that God takes the shadow of shame away, I will ask God to take my shame away. Do I believe that God truly guards me and surrounds me with his love and his presence? Do I believe that God defends me against all the challenges that I face? If I believe that that's who God is, then I will pray. So if you don't pray, if you struggle with prayer, if you know all about prayer but you're not really actually living it, living it and actually doing it, maybe it's rooted in what you believe about God and who God is and what God does. David tells us all this for a reason. David is very concerned that we get to the point in our life when, that we experience the God who listens and answers prayer, the God who gives freedom from fear, the God who gives radiant joy, the God who removes the shadow of shame, the God who rescues, the God who saves, the God who guards and surrounds and defends. I know I have experienced God in that way. I know many of you have experienced God in that way too. David experiences that kind of God, and he writes to us not only to praise God, not only to give glory to God, but there's another reason. Why does God, why does David write about this? Because he wants all who hear this psalm, including you and me, he wants us to do something. He, he wants us to take action about this. I know this because I look at the next verse and look what David encourages his listeners to do. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. David wants us to take God and just take a bite and taste because it's the only way you can really know if God is good is to try it, is to to sink your teeth into God, to sink your heart and your soul, your spirit, all of yourself. Step out and plunge into all the fullness of God and just say, okay, God, I'm doing this. I am all in. I'm going to try you really 
really take a bite. Um, I, I don't know how much you are into all the fruit around here. I love living in southwest Michigan because we get uh, to eat all this amazing fruit. And who knows what's coming in right now, what's ripe right now? Peaches. Yeah, we were at the farmer's market yesterday, and we got some peaches. Now, I could sit here and give you a lot of information about this peach. I could, I could share with you what farmers know about growing peaches, all the nutrients that are in the peach, um, I, I, you know, how to make uh, different things, peach cobbler and whatever. I, you can get all kinds of information about a peach, but you really don't get a peach until you do this. Oh. Now I know. You got to taste and see, right? Fortunately, I brought some napkins too. Mm. Oh man. That was so good. I happened to bring an extra one and an extra napkin. Who would like this peach? You want this peach? <laughs> now look, I asked who wanted it. No one raised their hand except you. You raised your hand. Guys, I'm telling you, we can be around God. We can go to church. We can do all kinds of stuff that makes us close to God, near God, around godly people. But until you say, yes, I want that peach, then you get the peach, and then you get to take a bite. Yeah. Everybody wants to know. How is it? She's giving it the thumbs up. <laughs> you don't get a taste of God just by coming to church and sitting in a chair, right? You don't get a taste of God just by turning on your TV at home and, and listening in. There's something to it that's more, that's deeper, that's remain in me, that's pray continuously, that's deep, that's a union, that's like a marriage, that's like a, an intimacy, a, a, a union with God that is so beautiful, and we only get that when we take a bite and we don't really know the goodness and some I know I know sometimes we struggle with the goodness of God it's like but I I've gone through this and it was hard and I, God didn't come through the way I wanted him to in this situation or that situation and we question the goodness of God and and I think we question the goodness of God when we don't taste and see the only way to know the goodness of God is to have it dripping down your chin take a bite, to go all in. That's what David encourages us to do here. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's not drive by the fruit stand of God's goodness and just not stop and get it. Uh, let's not sit at the table and have the goodness of God pass to us and say, um, that's okay, pass it to the next because I'm good. I can take care of this on my own. 
I can control things. I don't really need God in this. Mm. No, I think we do. (laughs) God wants to be your intimate God that you bite into and you taste and you know personally that God is good. A God who listens, a God who answers prayer, a God who gives us freedom from fear, a God who gives us a radiant joy that shines out of our soul, that God removes all the darkness, the shadow of shame, the old way of life, and, and he just, God just comes in and fills us and, and flushes out all that's old. God comes to the rescue. God saves us. God guards and surrounds and protects us. That all happens when we taste and see that God is good. David became convinced that God hears us. Look what he writes here in verse 17 as he reaches out to God. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. I noticed when I read this that David uh, repeats a word three times in these three verses, one one time in each verse. Anybody see that word? Rescue, yeah, it's the word rescue. God comes to the rescue. Now, you only need rescue if you're in trouble, right? If you're in a situation where it's hopeless, where it's helpless. You're lost in the wilderness in a national park and there's, and there, and there's nothing, you need someone to come save you. Uh, you're on a boat on Lake Michigan and a storm's coming in and you're out of gas. <laughs> you can't get back in, you need help. You have an addiction that has a hold on your life and you cannot manage it on your own. You need rescue. You have relationships in your life that have been severed and they seem to be unreconcilable. You need rescue. You have an anxiety that just overwhelms you and you can't shake it and it's like a weight on your life. You need rescue. You have sin that just has gotten a hold of you in a certain way and you're filled with regret and you can't seem to overcome that sin. You need rescue. There are many ways that we find ourselves in need of rescue. But you only need rescue when you're facing something that's out of your control that, that, uh, that you can't handle. It's really important that we come to the point, and probably all of us have something in our life that is like this, where you just come to the point and you confess, God, this is hopeless without you. I need you. I need your help. We cry out to God. Would you read out loud these words with me that David wrote and, and let it be your cry too, all right? Let's, let's read these same words we just read. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. 
He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. One of my favorite scriptures in, in the entirety of the Bible is right here, verse 18 of Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Have you ever had your spirit crushed? Have you ever been so broken by something in your life that you can't fix it on your own? On Thursday, we gathered in the sanctuary over there. Maybe some of you were there. Uh, we came in support of Aaron and Allison Richardson who lost their baby during birth. And where there's a communion table there now, there was a small little casket this big. And you just look at that, and you're just so broken. Every person in that place, our hearts were broken, but especially Aaron and Allison. Here's the thing. I think what happens is until you face a situation like that where you're truly broken, I don't know if you can really uh, experience the presence of God, the closeness of God, the intimacy with God that, that others feel that go through that. When, when, you, when you go through a time in your life when you're so deeply broken, but you cry out to God like David did, and you look to God to surround you and guard you and defend you and strengthen you and love you and be present with you, you discover this closeness, this intimacy with God that others who just can't quite get, they just don't quite experience that. God says to us, I am close to the brokenhearted. I am near to you. Are you broken in some way? Taste and see that God is good. Let God surround you and cover you and bless you with his presence. You can know the closeness of God, the intimacy with God in the midst of your brokenness. I've personally experienced it. I know many of you have stories that you could tell where you have experienced the closeness of God. Let's seek after. Let's taste and see. Let's know God in this personal, intimate way. Would you guys come on up? Um, I, I want to just sing um, just a line or two from a song from Coldplay that has always been meaningful to me since it came out quite a, quite a while ago. Uh, if you're experiencing some kind of brokenness, you can probably relate to these words. When you try your best, but you don't succeed. When you get what you want, but not what you need. When you feel so tired, 
but you can't sleep. You're stuck in reverse, and the tears come streaming down your face when you lose something that you can't replace. And when you love someone, but it goes to waste, could it be worse? What well, lights will guide you home and ignite your bones? And I will try to fix you. Lord, thank you for doing all that you can to fix us. Jesus, you have, you have done all that is needed to heal us, to make us whole. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Um, thank you for paying the cost, the sacrifice, so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we can put the old life behind us and have it washed away and start new. Jesus, thank you for forgiving your body, broken on a cross so that our brokenness can be healed. Shedding your blood on the cross so that you could wash over us. Lord, we're grateful that we can commune with you, that we can be one with you, that we can say yes to you, that we can taste and see how good you are. So we make a choice right now in this moment to taste and see. Or many of us have tasted your goodness before. We've, we've been around you for so long. But like right now, Lord, we just want to fully dive in, jump in, plunge in, bite into the goodness the juicy goodness of you. Lord, some of us have never taken that step to, to taste and see that you are good and we've put it off and we've done life on our own and we've tried to manage all the chaos ourselves. And Lord, in this moment, we just want to say, Lord, I can't do it. I need your rescue. I can't overcome my own sin. I can't forgive my own sin. I, I can't overcome this brokenness of my soul. So Jesus, will you come in and forgive me and give me life? I choose to taste and see for myself that you are good.